This is Dr. Rob Harder with the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, making your world better. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? What are the biggest challenges? What are the biggest obstacles? How should nonprofits fundraise in an economy that is constantly changing? All of these reasons combined led me to start this show. And it's my hope that through this series, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear from effective leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy the show as together we hear how they are making their world better. Well, one of the challenges for an effective nonprofit leader right now is getting the right information so you can make solid financial decisions to help your organization thrive. Well, to do this, you need the best accounting and donation software. Researching, learning, and maintaining software can get really costly. So let me save you some time and money. Aplos just might be the solution you're looking for. Aplos is made specifically for nonprofits to manage fund accounting, donations, and your people. So go to nonprofit.aplos.com to see how it works and get your 15-day free trial. Well, if I asked you this simple question, what is the key predictor of success for you as a leader, what would your answer be? What would the experts say based on data? I think you'll be surprised what they have found. The key predictor of success for leaders, it wasn't grit, it wasn't focus, education, decision-making skills, a knack for strategy planning, or even IQ. As important as all of those are, it was something else. And that something else is what my guest will explain on today's episode. Okay, that was my lame attempt at creating a cliffhanger question. But my guest today is Ian Morgan Cron. He is the author and speaker and known widely for his popular book, The Enneagram Book, The Road Back to You. He is a pioneer in the contemporary Enneagram movement of which this book is all about. Now, the Enneagram is a powerful tool based on a typology of nine interconnected personality types. The goal of the Enneagram is to develop a greater self-awareness of your personality type and how it impacts your relationships, your leadership, and your everyday life. If you want to be a better leader, a more effective leader, you don't want to miss this episode. Now on to the show. Well, welcome, Ian. It's so good to have you on the show. Now, I thought for my listeners today, uh, why don't you give us a quick overview of what the Enneagram is all about and how can it help leaders be more effective? And and again, just for your information, uh, this podcast is dedicated to nonprofit leaders specifically, and I would love for you to kind of address the Enneagram as it relates specifically to leadership and in the nonprofit context. So the Enneagram is an ancient personality uh, typing system uh, that teaches that there are nine basic personality types in the world, one of which we uh, gravitate toward and adopt in childhood as a way to cope and feel safe in the, the new world, if you will. Very importantly, each type has an unconscious motivation that very powerfully influences how that type acts, thinks, and feels on a moment-to-moment basis throughout the day. Um, People often ask me, uh, wow, nine types for seven billion people? That seems a little reductive. And I tell them, uh, well, have you ever been to the paint aisle at Home Depot? Uh, you'll discover that there is Great an point. infinite number of reds to torture you and end your marriage. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, torture is right. Know, That's exactly right. Yeah, it's, it's just that, you know, there's an infinite variety of expressions of, of each type but they all share a great deal in common, right? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of its relationship to nonprofit leadership, I do a, a great – most of my work is in the corporate sphere. Um, and uh, so I work with for-profit organizations and, and nonprofit organizations. I think for leadership, r- regardless of what you're um, leading, a nonprofit or, pro- or for-profit organization, self-awareness is the key to great leadership, and that is an evidence-based piece of research right there. Uh, in fact, Cornell University did a study some years ago of 72 high-performing CEOs of companies ranging in value from $50 million to $5 billion, and the goal of the, the research was to determine what characteristic did all of those CEOs have in common that accounted for their success. And they expected it to be grit, determination, great strategic planning, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And they were blown away when the research came back. And here's a quote from the, from the study. The key predictor of success in leadership is self-awareness. And that is the gift of the Enneagram, is self-awareness. So it has tremendous, tremendous application for leaders of all kinds, of all kinds of organizations. That's really interesting, and I want to get to that in a second, a little bit more about the self-awareness and how important that is. But I'm curious, you know, for leaders in general, is there a common type when it comes to the Enneagram that most all leaders have? Or do you, have you found that leaders come from all the different nine types of the Enneagram? Yeah, um, each type has a different leadership style, um, but any type can, can be a, a, a really fine leader. There are certain types for uh, a host of reasons that probably have a slightly easier time, maybe a little bit of advantage, but I don't I don't want to say it's a great deal because all types can be great leaders. But Enneagram 3s, the performers, uh, 7s, the enthusiasts, who are very, very good in startups, by the way, and 8s, the challengers, uh, make very, very good leaders. That said, I know great one leaders, uh, you know, uh, one of those might be Steve Jobs, right? Uh, I know four leaders, you know, um, People don't often associate fours with, with leadership, but I just ask you to go into uh, the Ritz-Carlton or Tiffany's or uh, places like that, and you'll see some four leadership happening, and on and on and on. So uh, Bill Gates is a five, right, the the investigator. So, I mean, again, all these types can, can be great in leadership if to the degree that they're self-aware and if they're in the right industry. Very okay. That's good. Very very helpful. Now you wrote a book uh, entitled "The Road Back to You," and one of the most surprising findings in your book is what you already mentioned that the key predictor of success for leaders wasn't grit, it wasn't focus, education, decision making skills, or a knack for strategic planning, or even IQ. I just wanted to restate that, even though you already mentioned it earlier. The number one thing you noticed and you found was self-awareness. And so let's talk a little bit more about that. Uh, what have you found as you've worked with corporations, it sounds like you've done some work with nonprofit leaders, but um, as you've begun to train people with the Enneagram and helping them grow with their self-awareness, what is it about the importance of self-awareness that plays itself out to improve leaders, let alone just to improve you and your relationships and how you relate to your family, to your spouse, to your neighbors, etc. Talk about a little bit the importance again of how this plays out with self-awareness. Yeah. In fact, you know, I can't tell you how many CEOs, senior management teams I've been with who are skeptical that this is the case. And they're, they, they, I'll often go in as a consultant and they're a little disappointed that I'm going to come in and talk about soft skills, right? Um, and uh, that is a catastrophic mistake if they think it's not important. You know, we are relational creatures. 
and uh, so much of what we do in business is uh, centered in relationships. Uh, ask a, a CEO of a company what occupies most of his time that's frustrating. They'll tell you it's relationship problems or personality problems with uh, employees. It's just a, uh, you know, a tremendously important thing to be aware of the fact that other people are different, to be familiar with all the types and their way of being in the world. Uh, I would define self-awareness as the ability to see, to uh, observe in real time your patterns, your predictable, habitual patterns of acting, thinking, and feeling, many of which are very self-defeating and self-sabotaging, and to self-regulate them, right? So, for example, if you're an eight on the Enneagram, the challenger, you know that you're very confrontational, that you tend to be combative, you're a very hard driver, you're not always attuned to the feelings of others. You need to, in real time, be able to see how your personality is affecting other people in the moment so that you can make different choices about how you're going to be with that person or group of people than you did before you knew who you were and all of your, you know, with your blind spots now exposed. I mean, this is just basic emotional quotient kind of material. It's it's learning uh, who am I, how do I live in the moment with other people, and how can I become more attuned to other people so I can motivate them, I can understand them, I can empathize with them, uh, I can, you know, use their gifts or deploy their gifts in the best possible way. I could go on and on, but it's uh, very critical. I would also say that to the second part of your question, that the key predictor of success in life is self-awareness. This applies to your marriage, uh, to your important relationships, your parenting, your friendships. I mean, in, in every sphere of life, the more self-aware you are, the more uh, ease and enjoyment you're going to get from your relationships. That's very helpful. And, you know, one of the questions uh, related to that then, you know, just the idea of how it impacts your marriage and obviously your leadership ability, uh, the company that you lead, the nonprofit that you lead. How have you seen the Enneagram serve as a means to increase empathy and compassion and perhaps even heal division? And that could be within a family. It could be within a company. How's Enneagram helped in that way? It's funny. One of the things I almost always say to leaders who are um, beginning to work with is one of the worst mistakes you can make as a leader is to believe that your way of seeing the world is normal. Interesting. Interesting. Every time you meet someone who sees the world differently than you do, you will automatically assume that they are not normal if they don't see it the way that you do, and uh, you will judge it. You'll just judge it right, as being deficient or incorrect, right? Well, the fact of the yeah. matter is if the Enneagram is right, there are nine normal ways of seeing the world, right? Uh, and yeah. so one of the things, the Enneagram, how it actually helps with empathy and compassion is it gives you an appreciation for difference. Um, mm. And, you know, for example, um, if uh, you're a seven enthusiast on the Enneagram and you tend to be in a, uh, sort of distractible, uh, impulsive, uh, so oriented toward the future that you're not always factoring in uh, or baking into your calculations things that could go wrong because you're so sunny and optimistic. It's real good to have a six around, uh, the loyalist, who's a really good devil's advocate and sees trouble on the horizon, spots it before yeah. anybody else does. A seven needs that because they don't see anything in the future. I worked with a, a company, at one, a very successful company, and one of the reasons it was their leader, their founder, uh, the entrepreneur that put them together, is a seven on the Enneagram. They're great entrepreneurs. 
Uh, but his CFO, uh, his right-hand guy, uh, he hired a six. And so the two of them balanced each other out. You know, the seven would say, I have this dream about this. I, I really want to take this risk going forward. It's like, well, we have 900 employees. And uh, we want to make sure we can make payroll. So I think we ought to roll that out a little bit slower than you would like it to go, right? <laughs> now, this seven is very self-aware, right? And that self-awareness helps him go, I appreciate the difference between me and my CFO. And he's actually tempering the excesses of my type and helping me to be a wiser, more thoughtful leader. Well, one of the challenges for an effective nonprofit leader right now is getting the right information so you can make solid financial decisions to help your organization thrive. Well, to do this, you need the best accounting and donation software. Researching, learning, and maintaining software can get really costly. So let me save you some time and money. Aplos just might be the solution you're looking for. Aplos is made specifically for nonprofits to manage fund accounting, donations, and your people. So go to nonprofit.aplos.com to see how it works and get your 15-day free trial. Hey, everybody, Rob here. Thanks so much for listening to the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast. If this is your first time listening to us, I wanted to make sure you're aware of a whole group of other episodes with fascinating guests that I previously interviewed. Just go to our website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. There you'll find numerous interviews of nonprofit leaders from all over the country and even from different countries, all trying to make their world better. I also want to make sure you knew about how to get some more great content. When you go to our website, just look at the top right section of the homepage under the words subscribe. You can simply type in your email address and then you will be added to our monthly email update. In addition to getting great access to some superb content, you'll get the latest podcast shows right to your inbox. Now, this way you'll never miss any of the interviews or content on this show. If you have any questions or comments, do not hesitate to email us. Thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. That's excellent. Okay, and I'm going to get to, I want to curious about what your type is and how that's impacted how you lead. Um, but quickly, okay, that's a great example, a six and a seven. Maybe break down, again, the differences. You've already given a few, uh, the labels for that. And how do you say six and a seven as a CFO, CEO? I'm sure that happens a lot, uh, again, across sectors, whether it be for-profit or nonprofit, um, where you have the visionary CEO that, yeah, like, hey, let's take that hill. We can, we can just expand infinitum, whatever program you're doing or whatever um, business you're building. And the CFO is like, no, 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 we got to pay the bills. We got to dot every I and cross every T. How do, how do you encourage leaders, you know, maybe beyond just the self-awareness now to the practical day in and day out? Because on the one hand, you're right, it balances each other out and that's a good thing. On the flip side, that could cause a lot of friction and frustration between the two because there's coming at the world and looking at the world so differently. How do you coach people through uh, that conflict basically, and to say, Hey, both of you are right, but let's work together to accomplish what's best for the organization. How would you coach somebody that has that? Uh, maybe they're the six and the seven are, are really stuck now because they're at odds of where they, the company ought to go or the nonprofit ought to move because they're coming at it from such different angles. So think of each type as living on a continuum between highly self-aware and not self-aware at all. So the more self-aware those two types are, or a team is, uh, the more they're going to be able to draw on each other's unique gifts and ways of seeing the world. When you have a, a person you're working with who's not self-aware at all, they don't know their type, they don't know their blind spots, they don't know that they're banging guardrail to guardrail through their organization, right? Um, then you're going to have tension. 
But when you have someone who's self-aware, uh, then you're going to really hum along. You're really going to hum along uh, because you're going to complement each other and make up for each other's sort of natural deficiencies and blind spots. Uh, you know, I'm oftentimes called into a company because they have one person who's incredibly valuable to the organization, so they don't want to fire them. But they're so lacking in self-awareness that they're kind of stuck. You know, it's like they're they're causing damage on a team, but they can't afford to lose them, right? And I'm sort of a last-ditch effort before they fire them. Like, we've got to get this person self-awareness because we're going to take a hit if we lose them. Uh, uh, that, a lot of pressure for you. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes I can deliver, sometimes I can't because it's not it's not entirely up to me. I've got to have a I've got to have a cooperative person on the other side of the table, right? But um you know, I think that as long as both are really familiar, they're they're really students of themselves. They really have a good baseline of self-knowledge around their personality style. You know, if they both have it, it's going to be fantastic. Okay, good. So again, the key is self-awareness and being able to work through that, knowing how their leadership style is going to impact each other. Okay, good. Very helpful. Now for you, uh, what is your type or primary type? Uh, I understand there's like a primary type and then a wing type. I think that's the term that's used. And how has that impacted your leadership? Well, so I'm a four on the Enneagram. Uh, I'm okay. uh, what's called the individualist. Uh, we are disproportionately represented in the creative arts. Uh, though I've, I've started, I've started large organizations before. Uh, we're not typically not fours, uh, are not, they're oftentimes people who work for themselves. And we can be a little quirky and very creative. And sometimes, uh, there are some organizations that don't value or have a, a space in their, in their world for that type of leader. There are some industries where it's absolutely necessary. But for me as a leader, where I tend to shine is I'm very good at collaboration. Uh, I, I am very, very creative and imaginative. Uh, I have a, uh, an ability to bring teams together and bring out other people's unique and special gifts. Uh, and of course I have, you know, challenges as well that, and each type has challenges as leaders. So again, the Enneagram will really highlight that, those as well. And as I've said, I, I've started fairly significant, you know, organizations that grew uh, pretty dramatically. Um, I have a very strong three-wing. Uh, the three-wings are the performers, uh, and they are notoriously really – I mean, not notoriously. They, they are often very, very strong, charismatic leaders, and I think I, I was fortunate enough to pick up a lot of those traits of the three as my wing, and that was uh, certainly to my benefit when I was working in – real leadership situation. Well, and it's interesting you brought up three because technically when I've taken it uh, and you may have to help me through this because uh, I'm, ju- I'm still learning so much about it. I'm a three is my primary type. Uh, seven was my next uh, high, but I know the wing typically is right around like it would be a two or a four as I understand it. Again, I'm still learning, but uh, but I'm also, I score high on the th- enthusiast side. You mentioned the seven before, but we'll just stick with the three. I, I know a lot of my fellow nonprofit leaders, um, both here in Utah and across the country. Uh, there are a lot of threes actually that are in roles of, I'm the CEO here of my nonprofit. A lot of nonprofit leaders fall into that category, uh, maybe for obvious reasons, but talk about that a bit. Talk about the three maybe and how that can be, there's some strengths to a leadership position, say you're a CEO, or where there's some drawbacks, you know, where some things that maybe threes need to be really be more aware of that could be a detraction to their leadership style. Maybe you could speak to that a bit. Sure. Well, threes are called the performers. The unconscious motivation of the three is a need to succeed, 
a need to appear mm-hmm. successful, and to avoid failure at all costs, right? Okay. Uh, you, you all are amazing doers. Uh, you are very, very fixated on productivity, uh, eliminating efficiency, inefficiencies. Uh, you are uh, charismatic. Uh, you're great motivators. You, you're driver drivers. At your worst, you're workaholics. Yeah. The, the problem for threes is is that they don't feel like they can be loved for who they are, but only for what they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, that can become a very toxic equation, right? Mm-hmm. A, a very yeah. toxic equation. Uh, Evelyn Underhill has this great quote. She says uh, that uh, we spend most of our time conjugating the verbs to want, to have, and to do when the fundamental verb uh, in, in, the, in the spiritual life, she would say, is to be. And it's very hard for threes just to be. They, they define yeah. themselves by what they do. Uh, and that can become very, very problematic. Now, at their best, they are able to be just another person on the bus instead of driving the bus. They can collaborate rather than always compete. Uh, they're, they're people who, um, are interested in helping others to become successful, not just successful themselves. Uh, they're willing to share mistakes and failures with other people to help them. Uh, and I, I could go on and on. They make terrific leaders to the degree they're self-aware, right? A self-aware leader who's a three knows, hey, you know what? If I'm not careful, I'll cut corners to get to the goal line first. Hmm. And okay. that's, that's a blind spot. That's a blind mm-hmm. spot, right? Mm-hmm. A very unhealthy, unself-aware three would do anything to get to the top. They, they might, they might mm-hmm. actually take credit. Uh, for another person's work. They may uh, undermine another person who's uh, a competitor. Now, that's a very unhealthy three, right? Sure. Um, that's a, a – and, and maybe even a character issue for that three. But my point is that, um, you know, I oftentimes tell people the Enneagram reveals that your your blessing is your curse and your curse is your blessing, right? And, and so well you said. just – but when you're self-aware, you can detect when you are starting to fall into the shadow side of your type and make a different choice um, rather than doing what you did before you had self-awareness, which is just unconsciously do stuff that is not in your best interest or in the interest of your organization. Oh, very helpful. No, really, really good. And, and actually you brought something interesting. I've heard that the Enneagram has been described as a psycho-spiritual approach to personality types. Talk about that a bit. How, um, what, would, what would you define psycho-spiritual and how does that relate to what you do with the Enneagram specifically? Well, I mean, that's a good question. I think psycho-spiritual has to do with not just our, our psychological processes, but also the human search for meaning. Uh, it's not necessarily, when you talk about spirituality, it's not necessarily talking about a specific religious tradition. Uh, it has to do with, with the human search for meaning. So it's, it's really talking about the existential side of the human person uh, versus just, you know, our psychological processes, adaptive stratagems, coping mechanisms, defense mechanisms, you know, our neuroses, all that sort of stuff. It's, it's a both-and thing, that human beings, for example, work not just to make a living, not just to exercise the gifts of their personality style. It, it, they also do it because they're trying to find meaning in the world. Yeah. 
right? Uh, and companies have learned this in the last 20 years, which is employees who do not have a sense that their job has a higher transcendent meaning beyond making widgets, uh, they're just not going to perform well. They're going to move on real fast. This is why companies mm-hmm. like Google and Apple and all these companies began to introduce sort of the language of of meaning into their work. Think differently. You know, they're 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 saying, okay, here's you know, gathering information to share with the world, right? It's like these are higher existential things that a person could feel proud. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm doing. My life and my role in this company has meaning. Mm-hmm. So without that, that's that's the when I'm talking about corporate spirituality, I'm talking a little bit more about that. It's not Christian or Buddhist or Hindu. Those are expressions of religious expressions of the spiritual life. I'm talking about spirituality as it pertains to all people, regardless if they're atheists or you know very very religious people. So. Um, I think when you blend those together, you come up with a psycho-spiritual, you know, sort of at least my definition of what psycho-spiritual means. No, very helpful. No, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Very interesting. Okay, so people that are listening to this, uh, they're like, hey, I maybe have heard about the Enneagram, but I've never taken the the inventory. Um, I've never, you know, had a class or read a book. So for those beginners that are watching and and listening, what would be the next step or maybe the next two steps that you would recommend them to take if they run a number one, find out what their type is, and then maybe the step after that, how does it really help them become a better leader? What resources, uh, what next steps in terms of trainings perhaps? Can you talk about that a bit? Yeah, sure. The first one would be I would just recommend people read my book, The Road Back to You, an Enneagram Journey to Self-Discovery. And here's why. I'm not just saying that because I want to sell more books, although I'd like to sell more books. Um, <laughs> it's, it's because it's a primer. And most books on the Enneagram that are out there, lots of them are four or five, six hundred pages, and they're, they can be very, very technical and dense. Mine is a very user-friendly book that you, if you're just saying, look, I want to know something about the Enneagram, but I can't quit my day, day job to read one of these books, right? Uh, mine's very good for that. Secondly, I have a test on my website called the IEQ-9. It's a very, it's a test that has a high degree of validity and uh, uh, reliability, and uh, it's particularly great for leaders of organizations because uh, part of the report is, a great deal of the report is really focused on leaders. So that can be gotten at my, my website, E-N-I-A-N Morgan, M-O-R-G-A-N, Cron, C-R-O-N dot com. Uh, and that particular inventory will give you either a 20-page or a 40-page report on you. And it really is geared toward leaders, very geared toward leaders. Uh, the third thing I'd say is my podcast, Typology. You, you get to hear about all these different types in, in interviews, and they are, you know, it's very, very helpful, you know, to hear people mm-hmm. talk about what it's like to be their type versus just hearing me describe them. Right. Right. So there's a there's a couple of resources I w- would commend to people, and I think they're 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 very helpful. Yeah. Oh, I love no, very very helpful. So my listeners, check those out. I guess my last question would just be: say someone reads your book, they take the inventory. What would be um, a helpful expectation for those who start moving that direction, become better aware, more self aware about their leadership style, their personality style? What would you recommend in terms of um, you know should they start seeing change within the first few months? Is this more of like a year, two year thing? What have you found when you again work with corporations? You mentioned that. 
that one scenario of, uh, you know, you were brought in to prevent this one particular employee from being fired. That seems to be kind of a last ditch effort, uh, Hail Mary effort, you know, to save this uh, one particular staff person. But in general, in normal circumstances or regular circumstances, what's um, a typical turnaround when you really start seeing people improve with their leadership, with their role at work specifically, um, what can they expect? Great question. Um, I would say one of the, the sort of the, the magic of the Enneagram, if you will, is that it's immediately actionable. You can start to learn very, very quickly about your personality very quickly and begin to work with it and to become self, you know, have to develop the gift of self-observation and begin to make changes. You will be blown away at how quickly this thing can get wheels. And the more you get into it and work with it, the better you're going to get. So it's immediate. You're going to get immediate benefit. And then the more you work with it over a year, two years, five years, ten years, you're only going to become more more not self-knowledgeable, but also more adept at putting that knowledge uh, into work and to your benefit and the benefit of your, your, your organization. I, I would say that, and again, this sounds very self-promotional, but it's true, to have someone like me come in and do a day-long workshop with you, uh, and, and maybe some follow-up work if necessary, though sometimes it isn't, uh, can be terrifically helpful. And for you threes, highly efficient. <laughs> you know, I love it. Hey, uh, I'm in. It, I'm listening. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, 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 uh, gets rid of all those drag coefficients. You get in there, you train a whole team. That's really important. Yeah. Yes. It's, mm-hmm. I would recommend it to a leader any day of the week, but if you can, you get it to your senior management team, or if you have a small organization, Get someone like me in there to actually work with your whole company, your nonprofit, whatever it is you're doing, uh, and then you'll really you'll be putting your foot on the accelerator in a in a, in a big way. Well, that's excellent. And, you know, I just, uh, again, a shout out to my listeners. Um, I know personally speaking, you know, I run a nonprofit and, and one of the um, aspects of my nonprofit, we actually have a mental health counseling center and we have a, a specialist, if you will, uh, Mary Wright, who's specialized uh, very much like Ian in the Enneagram. She has read your books and just has high respect for what you have already done and how you lead in this field. But we have provided some seminars here for people in the Park City, Salt Lake City area, and it's been fantastic. And I would just say, like you said, I think you can do, we have noticed, a quick response. Like once people really get into this, the self-awareness piece, you can start acting on that very quickly. And you're right, as a three, I'm like, yes, let's create some more efficiencies here and let's uh, train a lot of people at once so that we can really have the highest impact. So I would just say to my listeners, again, check it out. We've definitely seen an impact. Uh, We've been able to provide these seminars, you know, to this area. And Ian's work, again, is well-respected in the field. And uh, so one more time, Ian, send us uh, the best way to get more information about you and the book. Yeah, so you can go to my website, Ian Morgan Cron. I spelled it out earlier, so I won't do it again here. Listen to my podcast, Typology. You can take my IEQ9 assessment by going to my website. I actually just released a course recently called True You. And you can go to my website, sign up for my email, and sign up for the next uh, time the, co- the course launches and uh, get a – and this is a, a course that's really sort of a deeper dive into the Enneagram beyond just, you know, a basic uh, presentation of it. And uh, so you'll find all kinds of resources there. Uh, on my social media platforms, across them, I'm at me, Ian Morgan Cron. And, uh, yeah, that's how, you can, that's how you can figure out who I am and the things I'm up to in the world. 
Excellent. Ian Morgan Caron, thank you so much for being on the show today. And thanks for all you're doing. I know it's been a very, very uh, interesting conversation. And I encourage my listeners to check out more information about you and the book. Thanks for being on the show today. Thank you. Well, we're excited to have Aplos as the sponsor of this nonprofit podcast. And what's unique about Aplos is that they are dedicated not only to providing you with the best tools, but also to offering free training from their in-house experts and CPAs. Right now, you can get access to a solid webinar on five essential financial reports for nonprofit leaders. To get access, go to nonprofit.aplos.com. Hey, friends, I wanted you to know that this podcast can be found on both iTunes and Spotify. If you're wondering how to find it, just type in the words Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, and this podcast should show up. We also encourage you, when you go on iTunes, let us know what you think. Give us a review. Give us a rating. We would love to hear what you think of this podcast, and your feedback will help expand this podcast to get it out to as many people as possible. You can also find other resources and interviews of past guests on my website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Again, that website is nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep making your world better.